back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy. We're going to be talking to the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Kelly. He's coming off another gritty win, this time over Chris Camozzi. And then we're going to be joined by Alexander Volkanovsky. He also fought at UFC Melbourne, got his first ever UFC victory. And man, I'll tell you what, he is impressive. I can't wait to see what he does next. So definitely had to catch up with Alexander Volkanovsky. And last but not least, the real OC, Sean O'Connell, one of the most exciting fighters in the game. He's taking on Corey Anderson this Friday on UFC Fight Pass at UFC Albany. But first up, Dan Kelly, here we go. Joining me now is UFC middleweight Dan Kelly. Dan, welcome back to Half the Battle. Thank you very much for having me. How's things? Oh, things are amazing. What about yourself? Yeah, everything's good. Everything's really good. Man, it must have felt pretty good to get your arm raised in Australia again. Yeah, it was great. I've been lucky. This is two years running. I've been able to fight my hometown. So, yeah, really, really lucky and really happy. I mean, what drove you in that fight? Because that's one of the grittiest performances that I've seen in a while. I mean, you had such a determination in there. Was there something uh, that made you fight that way? I always fight like that. To be honest, the... Um it's more cosmetic damage than anything. He caught me with those elbows, and that that showed a lot of blood. But yeah, it was um, I was probably in, I was probably in more trouble to lose uh, the last fight. I was under more stress and pressure uh, against Shoeface and against Chris. Probably it was a hard fight, but um, yeah, I, I think I controlled the match a lot better than I did against Shoeface, for example. Like you said, do you think it's just the fact that you had that big cut that people might think that it was a lot tougher than it really was? Yeah, I think so. And so I've got two nice little cuts on my head. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that. I put a lot of pressure on him because I didn't want to give him that much space. And, yeah, I think just the pressure wore on him and accumulated on him. And then he was uh, he was pretty tired towards the end of the fight. Yeah, now when you get cut like that, I mean, what goes through your head? Because you turned up as soon as that happened. Um, I was just, as soon as, because it was close to the end of the first round, as soon as my coach said they're not going to stop the fight because of that cut, it was fine. I mean, it was as annoying for him as it was for me because when I was on top of him, all my blood was going in his face and mouth when I was on top uh, in the second round. And luckily I got a takedown within the first minute and a half of the second round. So... Yeah, it would have been as unpleasant for him as it was for me. Now, did you think it was going to be that easy to take him down like that? Or, I mean, did it look easier than it really was? It looked easier. I only got exactly what I wanted that one time in the second round. Um, it was really hard to get underhooks on him, maybe because it was slippery because of the blood. But, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't pummel in. He wasn't allowing any kind of pummeling. He was hand fighting, keeping his, keeping his arms really close to his body. And that was annoying, but... In the second round, once I got the underhook and I could grip over the top, it was, it was, yeah, it was easy to throw him. It was just hard to get into position to do it. Without giving away your secret, tell me about that straight left you throw, man, because uh, it's very accurate and it's very powerful. Um, practice. We just practice, practice, practice. I try and, try and vary the angle I throw it on. I seem to have a little bit more success against other southpaws than I do against uh, orthodox fighters with my cross. So that's interesting because normally the biggest weapon for a southpaw versus orthodox is the uh, left hand. But, yeah, I'm landing it pretty well against lefties at the moment. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, what are you looking to do next, man? You're 5-1 and one in the UFC, so they're going to give you a big fight next. I think so. I want to fight in March, either in uh, one of the two Vegas cards at the beginning of March or in London uh, on the 18th of March if they give me a ranked opponent, awesome. If they don't and I win that one, then I'll be able to uh, stamp my feet a little bit more and uh, hopefully get a ranked opponent closer to home in the middle of next year. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, the two wins you're coming off of, those are, well, firstly, Antonio Carlos Jr. is a high prospect and Chris Camozzi is an established veteran. So, like I said, man, it's going to be a big fight next. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be really exciting. Now, is there any truth to this? I heard that you were fighting on your son's birthday. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was Eric's 11th birthday on Sunday. So that was why I was extra special to get the win. And, um, yeah, they came back to the hotel after. We had some dinner. Then they went for a swim in the morning and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was really nice. That was one of the big advantages of fighting at home this time. 
Now, I know you said you always fight that gritty, and it's true. I've seen all your fights, but did that add any extra motivation? Because, I mean, I noticed that, you know, you were, you were going after Chris Camozzi, and his back was against the wall. He wanted that victory, and you took it away from him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Leading into the fight, it did, uh, for sure. But once once you start the warm-up and, and go through the, the normal process you go through, that kind of gets pushed aside a little bit. But leading into the fight, it was definitely a motivation that you want to put on a good performance on your son's birthday. How do you put that kind of stuff on the you know on the side while you're inside the octagon? Because, I mean, not only is it, it's, is it his birthday, but you're in Australia. Everyone wants you to win. They're going to be disappointed if you lose. Like, how, how do you put all that on the side, man? Um, just you got a guy in front of you who wants to take your head off, but all you can really concentrate on is doing everything you can to stop that from happening and impose your will. It's all about, the way I figure with mixed martial arts, it's all about imposing your game and your will on the other person and breaking them down. And and I've been pretty successful with that so far. And, yeah, any peripheral thoughts, you, you just, they, they naturally go from me and I can focus in very narrowly on the uh, job ahead of me. And that's the advantage of fighting too. Nothing else matters for those 15 minutes other than beating the guy in front of you. So it's it's, it's good. Would you attribute your winner's mentality to your Olympic days, or does it go even beyond that? Um, I'm not sure. Maybe. I mean, it's. Uh, I've been asked that a little bit lately. Oh, why do you? Why can you push so hard? I don't know. I just get in there, and the giving up thing or easing off never enters my mind. I train really hard, and I know I'm fit enough to go hard for 15 minutes and put that kind of pressure on. And it's actually enjoyable to see your opponents wilt under that kind of pressure. Might sound a little bit sadistic, but it's nice to see them towards the end of the second and third round starting to go, oh, is this guy going to ever leave me alone? It's it's good because that means I'm doing my job and I'm not super skillful in certain areas. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's fun to see them just end up going, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, I'm curious about the origin of that mentality because not a lot of guys possess that. I mean, as a kid, were you very competitive? Oh, absolutely. I was a smaller kid. Uh, I started judo when I was seven. Um, it probably comes from just the routine of judo and, and, the, and the training. I mean, I competed in four Olympics with judo, and that's kind of spilt over. Now, <clears throat> I was talking to my wife this morning, who's also a uh, – a judo Olympian and Olympic medalist. And, and in some ways, it's a, a slightly easier to channel all that in to mixed martial arts because you're only fighting three times a year. Whereas judo, I'm, I'm fighting 15 times a year and I can do five or six matches in a day. Now, that, that's really exhausting and tiring. I mean, I'm exhausted now from, from fight week, making weight and fighting, but now I don't have to do it again until hopefully March next year. So you can kind of re-energize and then put everything back on the line again and it's you got another break again before you have to do it again it's not week in week out that grind now obviously you've competed at the highest level in judo and now in mma what do you get more satisfaction out of which one's more enjoyable to win um hard to say it's a, there's a big financial benefit now and there's <clears throat> a very clear reason why i do the mixed martial arts is to set up the family so it's, it's hard to say i mean my dream from when i was eight years old was to go to the olympics and and that was a uh, I got to do that, and then I retired from from judo 2012, and, and this came along, and within two years, I was fighting in the UFC, so it's very satisfying now, and I'm probably a little bit older and appreciate appreciate what I can do a little bit more now than I did when I was younger. As a judo athlete, it's like, you just do it, and that's, that's kind of it, so it's probably more satisfying now, but I wouldn't give up or trade all my experience in judo for the world. I mean, I never quite gotten a medal in the olympics or the world titles but um it's not a regret it's just that's the way it is and all that experience i gained there is certainly helping me now in uh in you in the ufc did you start learning how to strike after you retired from judo or along the way a little bit along the way i did a little bit i had one fight in 2005 i think but that was uh i took that fight on two weeks notice for a bit of fun and uh and then I had a few kickboxing fights in 2011, but I didn't really start doing anything seriously until I stopped. So that's late 2012. Okay. Well, damn, come, come a long way. <laughs> yeah, it's slowly getting better, slowly getting better. So, you know, with a lot of guys, I mean, they get to a certain point and they start declining. With you, 
You, I mean, you're getting better every single fight. I mean, what's the what's the ceiling for Dan Kelly, man? I mean, how far are you looking to take this? As far as I can, my body, this preparation and this fight has better been been better than it has been for a couple of years. My knee, which normally gives me a lot of trouble, uh, has been really good. Before the uh, shoe face fight, I injured my neck. My neck's perfect now. So as long as my body holds together, there's no reason for me not to keep carrying on. And who knows what the uh, ceiling is? I mean, I, I haven't. The bubble hasn't burst yet. I'm, I'm sure every fight people are waiting for that to happen, but it hasn't burst yet. And when it does, we'll reassess. I mean, the funny thing about it is not only has it not burst yet, but you keep getting better. So it's like, <laughs> you know, you, you keep getting farther away from people's expectations. Yeah, it's good. It's good. And if I keep fighting guys who are better than me, I'll keep being the underdog and everyone's happy. Oh, yeah. We're all going to keep cashing in. That's for sure, my man. <laughs> You, For sure. You get some funny messages this time about uh, how people made money off, uh, you know, the great underdog odds once again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I get I get snapshots, of, um, you know, screenshots of, oh, thank you very much. Won this money, won that money. Thank <laughs> you so Happy to oblige. Happy to oblige them. I know, right? So I got some fan questions for you. Yeah, so, no worries. So Josh Carden want to know, so did you and your boy ever get around to enjoying that cake? And what kind? And how was it? <laughs> so it was a uh, it was a chocolate mud cake, and yeah, it was awesome. It was really good. I had to diet for a long time for this for this fight because I got a little bit fat while I was away coaching the Olympic team. So that was the first bit of cake for three months, and it was very good. Nice. Para VIP says, "I don't have any questions, but tell him his victory was one good feel good moment, and thank you for making me a lot of money too." <laughs> My pleasure. My pleasure. Anytime. <laughs> now, this one's kind of funny. Smiling Sam Alvey says, my question to Dan is, Dan, how do I get an autograph? Because your last two fights were amazing. Oh, wow. Tell him uh, thank you very much. Also, tell him no one hits as hard as he did. <laughs> yeah, that guy uh, That guy can crack, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he hits hard. I've never been... Uh... Well, he knocked me out. I'm, that's the first time I've been knocked out. So, so yeah. Um, I'll tell him, tell him to message me on Twitter and we'll organize something. There you go. Eric Spicely says, oh, wow. So some fan tagged Eric Spicely and said, maybe uh, Dan Kelly should fight him. And he said, no worries. We're going to fight eventually. So keep that, keep that in the back of your mind. <laughs> UFC Bro Picks wants to know, do you think you can beat Tim Bosch? Um, yeah, absolutely. I don't... <laughs> You'd be silly. I think I think I can beat most people. Um, like I said in the in the press conference after, that's a whole lot of ugly in one octagon, though. Me and Tim, neither of us are very handsome human beings, but that'd be a, <laughs> that'd be a that'd be a really hard, interesting match. Definitely, that'd, and I'm up for it for sure. That'd be a great fight, both on winning streaks, and yeah, I'd love to see it. What do you attribute your longevity to, man? Stubbornness, pure stubbornness. That's it. That's it. I can't explain it. My body's not great. Um, it's, it's good at the moment. But, yeah, I think just stubbornness and a love of competition. I really enjoy competing, and, yeah, I'm stubborn. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell in the middle of your fights that you're damn stubborn. Well, I mean, is your diet anything special? I mean, are you eating clean all the time or what, man? No, I don't eat clean all the time. Uh, maybe it's uh, the glass of red wine I have nearly every every night. Maybe that cleanses into blood or something like that. But look, I, I diet reasonably well. I certainly don't. I'm not anal about my diet or anything like that. If I can't enjoy food and I love food, then why would I bother doing it? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I just I just stick to a reasonably normal routine. It's all mental, I think. It's just a mental game, and that's all. Yeah, and also my doctor said I'm allowed to have one glass of wine every night, so I'm, I'm with you on that, my friend. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> what do you think about just the evolution of Australian MMA? Because I mean, dude, you got guys like yourself, Damian Beatdown Brown is emerging, and of course Robert Whitaker. I mean, oh my god, oh, he's uh, it's it's awesome. I mean, you got Jake Matthews, um, two other guys got signed this time, Tyson Pedro and uh, Alex Volkanovski. They both won. Um, there's been a little bit of changing in the guard with Kyle retiring and, and Anthony Parosh retiring last year and Sower as well. So it's a bit of a changing of the guard, even though I'm the oldest one still. 
Um, I tell you what, though, um, in my hometown in Melbourne, we got a whole heap of prospects who, in the next year or so, should be getting a call up for the big show and and watch them. They're going to be really good. Is Robert Whitaker about to be a world champion? I think so. He'll probably be our first one. He's awesome. What he did to Brunson was ridiculous. Like, awesome. And, yeah, so explosive. And he's just a kid. He's only 25. I know. I know. It's scary. It's scary because there's no... Yeah, there's no limit to what he can do. And he can fight any of those top five guys. I mean, Brunson's got awesome wrestling, and he couldn't do anything to Whitaker. And uh, Whitaker's just so fast and so good with angles. I... Within 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 two years, Whitaker will be a champion. Oh yeah, he's um and he's incredibly accurate and he sees things very quickly. So he can his decision making under pressure and under stress is exceptional in in his striking. It's ridiculous, ridiculous, really, really good. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. And they're gonna give him a huge fight next, obviously. Oh, he deserves it. He deserves it for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, dude, I mean, is there anyone you, you want to fight next or just whoever they give you or what? Well, whoever they give me. I've, I've been talking to my coach and he's like, um, <clears throat> yeah, a top 15 guy would be good. But at the same time, just keep carrying on, keep improving. And we see, I mean, I reckon there's about four or five guys who are probably on a um, on a short list who'd be good matches right now. But um, we'll see. I mean, Tim Boach, Eric Spicely's name's popped up. Uh, Taylor's latest his names popped up. There's that Polish guy, uh, Christoph Jokto. Oh, yeah. There's Rafael, Rafael Natal. There's uh, Brad Travares. So there's a whole heap of guys, Cesar Mutate, who are floating around. I prefer not to go to Brazil and fight, to be honest. But um, I don't blame you. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see, uh, we'll see what happens in the new year. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned Jocko. Look out, man. That guy is serious. Have you seen him fight? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch what he did to Latest. That was really impressive. Really, really impressive. And he's very, very, got very good balance on his feet. Like, uh, Latest tried to throw him a few times. He just stepped over, ended up in a top dominant position. But he really hurt Latest with the hands, too. So, he's, he's an exciting, he's an exciting prospect for sure. Definitely. Tell me what you think about this. I don't know if you guys have any history, but what about a match between you and Hector Lombard? Uh, Hector used to live in my house, and uh, and it's a good friend of mine, actually. Oh, really? So, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, um, Hector used to live in Australia, and for a while he lived in my house. And um, when uh, when he came, when he was in Melbourne for 193, and we, we caught up again. And, yeah, no, Hector's an awesome guy. Awesome, okay, awesome guy. Okay, so we'll take that off the back burner. I just <laughs> thought about it because he's got a judo background. You got a judo yeah. background. But I wasn't aware that you guys are boys. But, dude, all the guys you mentioned – those are all good matchups. I can't wait to see what they do next. Dan, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Nah, my pleasure. Anytime, anytime. And uh, let the audience know where they can follow you and anything else you want to tell them. Go ahead. Um, yeah, thanks to my uh, sponsors, MA1 and Fight Life. Uh, follow, follow my gym, Resilience Training Center. Also, uh, Twitter is uh, Dan Kelly Judo. And I think Daniel Kelly Judo's Instagram. I think I'm not. I'm not that great with the pub, the social media, unfortunately. But yeah, search me. You'll find me. <laughs> yes, sir. Dan Kelly, thank you so much, and uh, have a great day, man. Cheers. You too. Thanks, Hayes, mate. Joining me now is UFC lightweight Alex Volkanovski. Alex, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, you got it, man. So real quick, I introduced you as UFC lightweight, but I need to figure it out. Are you a lightweight, a featherweight, or a welterweight? Uh, well, no, I, sh I am a featherweight. Featherweight's my division, uh, but lightweight is where I'm contracted to right now. But um, I'm pretty sure I can fight at a, a featherweight now, but I don't know if they can promise me as much fights as I need, so I might, I might have to go between the two. So we'll see what happens. And then eventually go down to Bantam, so... Oh yeah, I'm flirting, I'm, flirting, I'm flirting with all the divisions at the moment. <laughs> You're gonna be like Conor McGregor, all the belts, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, which one do you feel most comfortable at? Oh, featherweight's definitely my division, but um, I used to that used to be a big cut for me, but now I got it down. I got it down pat now, and I can get down there pretty easy. So uh, I get down there comfortably. So that's why I'm thinking maybe Bantam. You know, I'm pretty short. Um, I'm five foot five, so even in the featherweight division, I'm reasonably uh, short. I'm pretty heavy set, though. I'm pretty thick, but I, I do believe I could uh, get down there. And if I do, I'll, uh, I'll definitely uh, be really, really strong in that division. I believe I'm strong in lightweight division. 
definitely. I mean, obviously, if you go back and watch any of your fights, that's all the proof I need. But, I mean, is it just a matter of dialing in your diet to get down there? Um, yeah. Well, look, I, I eat pretty good um, when I'm going to featherweight now. I'm, I usually sit at a decent weight now. And the last couple of weeks, I end up just, you know, doing it properly and the weight just comes off. But, I mean, if I... You know, done a whole camp of uh, dieting you know, really well and then doing all the water cutting and all that. I think I could definitely make it down to Bantam. Just uh, need the, you know, dietitian to be with me and we'll, we'll get it done. Dude, what's taking so long for you to get to the UFC? I mean, you're 14-1. and one. You've had the credentials for a while, but now you finally made that walk and you got your arm raised. Oh, mate, yeah. Oh, mate, it, was, it took forever. You know, I've done like uh, three campaigns, I think I've done. Uh, for every time there was an event in Australia... I was like, you know, started doing a push, like a campaign to get me on there, like a sign of Volkanovski, and it just yeah, it took forever. And then there was a couple of chances that uh, got robbed from me, and uh, that was that sucked. But um, you know, I finally got in there, and you know, I mean, I, I I've dreamt of walking down that, uh, you know, down whatever you would call. I was about to say aisle, but uh, you know, it ain't no wedding. But um, <laughs> yeah, I just remember walking to, you know, I pictured that so many times. And it was uh, just unreal to actually get that feeling in a, in a home crowd too, man. They went nuts. Was it an emotional moment for you walking out there? Uh, walking, nah, man. Probably, probably not walking out. Um, after it all, it was a you know probably a bit more emotional then. But um, walking out, I try and take every fight just as it is, you know, just like any other fight. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I was pretty cool headed in there. I tried to soak up, up, you know, the atmosphere as much as I could. So you know, I was a shaking everyone's hand on the way in. I was trying to work the crowd a bit, but um, yeah, man, it just seemed like another fight. Well, I, I wanted to think that way anyway. I didn't want to go in there and get the UFC jitters, as they say, which I definitely didn't. I went out there and um, just sort of, yeah, I was pretty calm. I was actually a little too calm. Even when he ended up getting on top, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll just, like, I won't burn too much energy. I'll just chill, which I actually got taken down from apologizing to the ref. I don't know if you've seen that, but yeah. Oh, that's what it was. Up. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what, I, I'll sit there and I accidentally put my hand on the cage and I think, um, he's like, oh, watch the cage, don't grab the cage. And I'm like, oh, sorry, mate, I turn my head, I look at I'm sorry, mate, and then he wraps up my leg and takes me down with it and then he ended up on top, so uh, I'll never apologize in the, in the cage ever again. <laughs> Lesson learned, right? That's it. So why do you think you didn't get the jitters? I mean, is it a matter of all the experience you've had leading up to this point? Yeah, probably, um... Just, yeah, I guess, like I said, I've been picturing myself there so long ago and for so long, and uh, I don't know, I just know I, I deserve to be there as well, so it wasn't like, you know, I didn't go in there like, oh, am I out of my league, or, you know, I didn't think like that at all. I know I'm yeah, more than ready for the UFC and what, what they have to offer, so I was pretty calm that way, you know what I mean? It was just, you know, you know I told myself I can't lose, but just like any other fight, before I, before I was in the UFC, I was thinking the exact same, you know, I was thinking... If I lose, that's four steps back to the UFC. So I couldn't lose beforehand as well. So it's all the same. The pressure was on. If anything, the pressure was off. It's funny, as, as weird as that sounds. But for me, it felt like the pressure was off. I knew I was meant to be in there. And I went in there and done my thing. Now, did you expect to knock out a guy like Kasuya? Because, I mean, this is a guy. He went all three rounds with Nick Hine. He had a 9-2 and two record. Kasuya's no slouch. Yeah, well, he's known to take a good punch. Like, he does get hit and... He's tough. He usually, like, he'll get dropped and then next minute he's wrapping them up in a submission. So he's tough. I knew he was tough, but I know I hit hard. But, mate, some of them bombs I was landing, I don't think he was ever going to go out, you know what <laughs> I mean? But the ref has no stop, no choice but to stop it, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of people are talking about, oh, you know, what was he doing grabbing a leg like that? And, you know, and when I end up laying some bombs right at the end. But he had no choice. Like, anything else wasn't working. It was either I keep throwing these bombs on him or he does whatever he can desperately like grab a leg hopefully he can get a leg or you know at least stop these punches but you know end up trapping himself and that was at uh, the beginning of the end yes it was when did you realize that you had that kind of knockout power man because i mean obviously not just your ufc debut but if anyone goes back and watches your regional scene fights i mean you were a knockout machine dude yeah well yeah that's uh, my style sort of you know what i mean like it's just yeah i'm always looking for the finish you know whether i'm sitting in half guard or where I, whether I'm standing in front of a big overhand right, I want to find that chin. I want to put him to sleep. Not to hurt him, but um, you know, I, I don't care how long my camp is. I train hard for for a few, you know, a couple of months for a big fight. Maybe for the last one minute, I don't mind. A lot of people go, don't, don't you get mad when you, 
you know, you do all this training for one minute, and that, mate, get me out of there straight away. Finish, set a statement, see you later. Yeah, definitely. Now, let me ask you this, man, because I saw one of your knockouts. I think it was a couple fights before you made it to the UFC. You fought this very tall, skinny guy. I, was it Jamie Malarkey? Was that the guy? Jamie Jamie Malaki, yeah, that's the one. So you knocked the guy out, right, with one punch, and you had the option to throw the follow-up, but you knew right away that he was out, yeah. so you didn't throw it. How do you flip that switch in that moment? Because you go from being a killer to being a human in just a matter of a second. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's exactly it's sort of what it's like. So you're hidden and you're ready to just you know finish a combo, but he went down and I went to sort of like looked at him in the pants. I seen his eyes sort of rolling. He wasn't looking at me. And I knew, all right, well, he's definitely concussed. And the way he went down, I was like, ah, oh, that's it. So I waited, seeing the ref sort of running over in the corner of my eye, and then I'm like, ah, oh, that's it. That's over. I can walk away. So it wasn't a, it wasn't quite a Mark Hunt special, uh, <laughs> knockout walk away, but it was close enough, mate. Next time I'll get that. Who are some fighters that you look up to? I mean, Mark Hunt, is he one of them? Ah, oh, who doesn't look up, up to Mark Hunt? You know, some of them, like I said, them walk-off uh, knockouts. Like, I can see myself doing that. There's a couple of fights where I maybe not knocked him out, like, but I mean, I remember my last fight before the UFC, I was on top of a guy and I was pounding him and I could see he was, he was hurting him and I was just like, ref, like, I literally turned the ref and go, is that enough? Stop the fight. And then the ref stopped it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. So, dude, I mean, the Australian MMA scene is really taking off. I mean, obviously, Robert Whitaker is at the forefront and, oh my God, I mean, did, did you get a chance to watch that performance he had in the main event? Oh, that was unbelievable! Yeah, I yeah, definitely watched that. Um, I was yeah, putting my suit on, just got my suit uh, ready before the press conference, and I went and I was able to watch that. But oh, mate, that was unreal! Oh, mate, how in the intensity was in the cage was crazy, and outside the cage, the crowd went nuts. I mean, dude, you think this guy's about to be a world champion? Because he's right there, top five. Mate, he's um, well, I, I can't see why not. Like he keeps a that was a massive fight. This guy was a toweling people up. It was a five five win streak five yeah five win streak. yeah yeah exactly and four first Actually, round knockouts yeah well there you go um that just shows you the the power and like a lot of people would have thought oh yeah this is what's gonna happen he was a favorite um and robert whittaker took him took him right out and to be honest with you a lot of people said robert whittaker looked hurt or i don't think he, he got hurt i think he um he was making him miss and yeah and then ended up capitalizing on it and then finishing the fight but definitely weathered the storm and just, yeah, pick, picked him on the outside, and then just that was the beginning of the end. Head kick, got him to the ground, and then just some uh, ground and pound. Man, it, it was beautiful, and I mean, that's how... I, I always say technique beats aggression, and that was a perfect example of that, and it was just awesome to see. But for you personally, man, what was it like when you got your arm raised in the UFC for the very first time? Yeah, well, like, yeah, that, that's when it started hitting me more, you know what I mean? Like, uh, straight after I won... That's when it started. Like, oh man, it's over. It was like a relief. Finally, my first fight's out of the way. You know, you know things are starting to look up. You know, financially, I was struggling for a while. Like, still, obviously, it's still financially going to be struggling a little bit. But I mean, it's it's going up. You know what I mean? So it was that feeling of knowing that. All right, it's over. When Bruce, Bruce Buffer, you know, that's been a dream of mine. Him calling my name and, and raising my hand and all that sort of stuff. So to hear that, and that was me coming to realization. I even looked at him like, oh man, that's Bruce Buffer. <laughs> like you see, just before he just before he announced the winner, um, he said, "Oh, good stuff, Alex," or, or something like that. I heard him and I sort of looked and I'm like, "What?" You know, and sort of realized, man, that's Bruce Buffer. I didn't really like. Like I said, I was trying to. Um, soak it all up but at the same time i was trying to just make it as if another fight with it just like every other fight which it sort of seemed like to me but at the end i really got to you know i looked at bruce buffer and i was like yeah bruce buffer mad yes sir and i mean dude this was a long time coming you mentioned the financial side of things and the good news alex is you fight the way that you fight man and you're gonna get a 50k bonus no doubt about yeah. it it's just you know robert whitaker had to steal it not just from you but from uh you know damian brown he arguably had a fight of the night as well so yeah. you know it, it's nothing personal it's just robert whitaker went out there and did what he did you know what i'm saying yeah exactly right exactly right but um yeah that's as you said you said it perfectly i've been saying it for years um that's my style. 50k bonus. That's where that's where the um, the money will start rolling in because um, I'm always looking for the finish. Even when I'm sitting there thinking I'm just plotting along, I'm throwing bombs. You know, I mean, I look back at the ground and pound. There was there was moments in the fight where I thought, oh yeah, oh yeah, here's a shot. Like you know, I'm sort of just 
I know it's hard to explain, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think I was going as wild. I'm sort of picking the shots, controlling these hips, where most people just think I'm just going nuts, but I'm actually controlling them at the same time, making sure his hips can't get out and you know, shuffle out and I'm throwing bombs. But, and then, yeah, you look back at the footage, and you're like, oh, yeah, that, that wasn't too bad yet. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, is there anyone you want next, man? I mean, there's so many good fighters in your weight class and obviously the other weight classes that you mentioned too. I mean, if I'm going to throw out a name, you know, what about Nick Hine? I mean, he beat Kasuya, but it went to decision. You finished Kasuya. What about you and Nick Hine? Well, Nick Hine's actually a trainer partner of mine. Oh, really? <laughs> Dude, that's hilarious. You know why that's funny? Because I was talking to Dan Kelly, and I was like, what about a fight between you and Hector Lombard? And he's like, Hector used to live with me. I was like, oh, my God. That's two for two. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's, uh, well, that's, uh, that's exactly right. Nick Hine, I've, I've trained with him a fair bit. Really nice guy. And, um, I don't know. Look, I'm the type of person that I've always told myself, you know, because I want to train with everyone. I'll train with whoever I can. If I have to fight them, I'll fight them. That's just that's just how I am. Um, it's nothing ever personal. Like I know it's just a sport. To me, it's just a sport. Like it really is. Like I don't, you know, what I mean. But um, like I said, you know, I, I doubt that that'll happen. Especially me. I'm pretty sure I'm going to featherweight division anyway. Um, but you know, if I had no choice, you know, and I was the only one who, you know, they. I had to answer, you know, they were asking me and it was up to me. You know, I mean, the pressure was on me. I, like, I'll take it if that's what what they wanted to do. But obviously, there's other options. Yeah, so yeah. I'll uh, definitely go there first. And I'll, yeah, I'm sure that's um, how Nick uh, looks at it as well. You know, like we're, we're pretty close. And, yeah. But I mean, like I said, it's a sport. You know, I mean, if we had to do it and that's what the bosses want, then we, we got to do it. Yeah, I didn't know you guys were friends, but you know, it's funny, man. You know, I'm not a fighter, obviously, but, you know, my brother used to whoop my ass growing up, and if you offer me a couple grand to fight him, obviously I'd take it, you know? <laughs> well, there you go. Just like, you know, it's a, almost like a sparring match, just uh, a little bit more uh, ferocious, I guess. <laughs> Definitely. You know, it's funny because I've always said that, you know, there there's ethics to fighting your friends. I don't know if you saw a fight between Machida and Mark Munoz. So Machida knocks him out, but he doesn't throw that follow up punch. He knew he was out and he stopped yeah. there, you know. So there you know, there's a little bit of a you know, sportsmanship I guess you can say. Yeah, but, uh, but to be honest with you, I'm like that with all my fights. So if I go in there the same with Kazuya, if he was out, I would have stopped. You know, I mean that's just how I am. Unless I really thought that he's sorta of coming back together and the ref might not stop it, I might do that extra one, but I'm the type of person, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care if I've got to be the nice guy. That, that's just how I am. I'm a, I don't, I don't hate the person in front of me. I just go out there as a sport and I just do my thing. Unfortunately for them, my style is very aggressive. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? I'm going to punch holes through them. Just, that's, just, that's just how I fight. But, I mean, I'm not really trying to hurt them, but I've got to win. So, if that means hurting them, I'll hurt them. But if I know it's finished, I know it's finished and I'll stop. Yes, sir. So, next fight at Featherweight? I mean, you emailing uh, yeah, Sean cool. Shelby or what? If, yeah, exactly. Well, we're talking to him, and uh, yeah, he's happy to have me in Featherweight division. So, if I was going to have to choose someone, choose a fight, and you know, have a proper camp for it, it would be in the Featherweight division. And I'm confident in my abilities. I, I believe I, I can do well in lightweight. So, you know, you can obviously see what I think I could do in the Featherweight division. So, in the Featherweight division, you know, I believe I can... Man, I'll, I'll, if they want top-ranked guys, I'll fight the top-ranked guys. But obviously, you got to work your way up to there. But you know, if there's a pullout and these top guys need an opponent, I'm more than happy to raise my hand. Even in lightweight, I'll, I'll do the same because uh, I need to make that money. So I'll, I'll uh, float between the two divisions and see what happens and then make my way down to Bantam. Yes, sir. Dude, real quick, what was it like fighting at welterweight back in your regional scene days? I, I fought at middleweight. <laughs> <laughs> My first four fights were at middleweight. I used to play rugby league. I was 97 kg. Uh, they, uh, pounds, I don't know what that is in pounds, but that's a lot. And um, <laughs> yeah, I used to play front row with the big boys. So I'm used to the big boys. So when I had my first four fights, or my first couple of fights anyway, that was while I was still playing football. So I was pretty you know, I was pretty fat back then. And, mate, these guys I fought were monsters. Mate, they were huge, like three heads taller than me. But uh, same result, first round finishes and... <laughs> But, um, yeah, then yeah, then went work my way to welterweight in professional. My first four fights were welterweight, and I fought some of the biggest names in Australia at welterweight too. UFC fighter uh, Anton Safir. Oh, okay. Corey Nelson was um, pound for pound in Australia for a long time. So big names I had, I, I fought in, uh, in welterweight, and I was uh, almost uh, you know, I was pretty successful. I only had one loss, and that was 
to Corey Nelson in the welterweight division. But uh, you know that was early as well, very early. I don't think I was ready for that fight. But um, yeah, now now I'm ready for any fight. Well, I mean, every fighter's got to take that first loss. No one is exempt from it. But I mean, and obviously, you learned a lot because you're on a huge win exactly. streak now. That's that's when I started moving down um, divisions, and there there you go. That's when it really was. You know what? You hear it all the time. People saying um, about their loss. Really, uh, you know, they learned a lot from their loss. I did 100. I worked on my ground game because I was more of just the throwing bombs sort of type of guy. Now you watch, you probably think I'm a ground guy. Yeah, after my, <laughs> my last fight, but. Um, yeah, so I definitely learned a lot, and I'm, I'm so much better than, than back then. I have him to thank for it. Now, how did you even get into fighting in the first place? I've always loved martial arts. Martial arts has been massive to me, boxing, kickboxing, everything. MMA, I, I was like, man, in Australia, when no one would talk about it, like I'd watch it, I'd go to Blockbuster, get all the um, DVDs, and I'll just, uh, yeah, man, I loved it. You know what I mean? I remember my first main event I watched, pay-per-view, was the first uh, Tito and um, Ken Shamrock. And um, I was watching it before him, but that was the first pay-per-view. And, man, that, that really, really made me um, become a massive fan. And I didn't start MMA till only about five, six years ago. So um, I'm still new to this sport. And, you know, there's a lot of people that have been doing it for a lot longer than me. And I'm lucky enough to already be in the UFC. So that just shows that I've got so much more room for improvement. And expect big things from me because I'm getting better. Damn, only five years, man, and you got yeah. a lot of experience for those five years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I kept busy. I've always been pretty busy, and so I always got them fights happening. And yeah, I had four amateurs and uh, what have you, fifteen uh, uh, pro, and I've only lost the one, so it's not bad. <laughs> yeah, not bad at all. Now I see, you know, you fought many times per year coming up on the regional scene. On the regional scene, how do you feel now about you know only fighting two to three times a year? Are you going to be campaigning to fight more or what? Well, yeah, that's why I like. I'll, I'm always, I always stay fit, so I'm going to be ready all year round. So for the lightweights, you know, even featherweight, man, I could take them on a couple of weeks' notice. Now that my weight's sitting at such a good weight, I could literally do that. Um, but with even yeah, lightweight, I could take it on a week's notice. No, no dramas at all. Um, I could make it actually a day notice, to be quite honest. But uh, yeah, so I'm happy to do that. You know what I mean? If, if that's how uh, I'm going to. You know, I come in a bit late. I was expecting to be in here a year or two ago. Yeah. So I need to, I need to get these fights up. So if that means uh, fighting, you know, while uh, you know I'm not really fully prepared, I'll do that because I'm always prepared. Yes, sir. Stay ready. There you go. So you don't have to get ready, like they say. So, dude, who you got between uh, Max Holloway and Anthony Pettis? Uh, ooh, man, uh, Max Holloway. I think I think Max Holloway's going to do it. Just uh. Mate, I don't know. Actually, I just sort of backpedaled on that. I, I, I don't know. He's man. It's going to be a tough one. It depends how uh, Max Holloway goes about it. But um, man, Pettis is accurate and he knows how to throw him. And you know, I think it's going to be a stand-up fight. So <laughs> I might have just done a 180 right there and say, "Fucking Pettis might get it." But oh, sorry, for swearing. Oh, you can cuss but, as um, much as you want, bro. Where? Oh, oh fuck man. yeah, man. I better not because, uh, you know, I've got a baby now. so I'm Okay. Gonna, I'm trying to cut it out as much as I can. Mature adult. But, uh, yeah, that's it. And all, you know, all these uh, things that I can't swear in, so I'm going to try my best not to swear anymore. But, yeah, you know what? I might say Anthony Pettis might, you know what I mean? Like, he come off a win in the, the featherweight division, but obviously he's had a bad run before then. But I think I think he might, uh, this might be his division. One more prediction. So, yeah. What do you, what do you prediction? think? Prediction? One more prediction. What do you think about Cowboy Cerrone versus Matt Brown? Because, I mean, obviously, two legends of the sport. You know they're going to throw down till one guy falls. Well, that's another an, tough one. But um, Cerrone, looked impre- he's looking impressive. So, I don't know. I think he might just pick him apart. Matt Brown's he's a, he's a gamer. He goes in yeah. hard. So, I think that might work in uh, Cerrone's favor maybe. We'll, we'll have to see again. Yeah, but I'll, I'll go Cerrone. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Cerrone. I love him, so I can't bet against him. Yeah, <laughs> man, definitely. I mean, they're both such badasses. Now, Alex, I mean, what are you looking to do next, dude? Uh, yeah, Christmas. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll uh, stay ready. Like I said, I'm you know, every week. I, I'm training. I'm even diet like a diet. That's just sort of my lifestyle now. I like diet during the during the week, and then on my weekends, I have a good splurge and I'll uh, uh, eat whatever I want. And, get that chocolate into me but then come uh, Monday I'm back into dieting and, and training hard so I'll uh, keep training I'll enjoy the t- family time 
and uh, wait for a fight. I'm ready. Oh, I can fight right now. You know, I come into that fight with a heap of injuries. So, you know, if I, I'm a little, yeah, I've got a few injuries, but again, that was from prior to the fight. And uh, so, you know, that didn't stop me then. It's not going to stop me now. So if they want me to fight soon, I'll fight. I'll fight this year if they want. Well, shit, if that's what you look like injured, I can only imagine what you look like at 100%. And Alex, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been a pleasure, man. Let the audience know where they can follow you and anything else, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And yeah, guys, if you just could like my page, Alex, Alexander the Great. Uh, Volkanovski, I'm getting used to that. Almost said the Hulk, no more Hulk. <laughs> Alexander, <laughs> Alexander the Great Volkanovski. Um, on a, it doesn't fit on my my Twitter because uh, the Twitter it's too long. My name's too long for Twitter, so it's got it's just back to Alex Volkanovski. I'm pretty sure. So he's got at me on Twitter, and I just want to thank uh, my main sponsor here, uh, Summer Cross Injuries. If you can see that there, I think you can. Yeah, these guys are. And my major sponsor, and uh, yeah, I want to give a big shout out there. They really uh, helped me out, and can't do it without guys like them. And supporters, everyone back there that's been supporting me, keep on going. And uh, till next time, I'll get that KO on 50k bonus. Yes, sir, <laughs> Alex. Thanks again for the time, man. Have a great night. Thank you. Joining me now is UFC light heavyweight Sean O'Connell. Sean, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, you got it, man. Anytime. So, dude, how did you develop your exciting style? Because every single time you fight, I mean, win, lose, or draw, you come to fight and you come to excite the fans. Yeah, I don't know that I really developed it. I think it's just the way I'm built, the way I'm wired. You know, I'm. Uh, I can't. I can't do that thing where guys dance around and feel each other out for too long. I just. Uh, if I'm gonna be in there. I gotta be working. Yes, sir. I want to know the origin of this. I mean, did you get into fights growing up or what? Uh, I mean, a little bit. I was I was a good kid, but if I was going to get in any kind of trouble at all, it was probably going to be related to uh, a little neighborhood scuffle or something at school or something like that. But uh, yeah, I grew up playing traditional sports, and uh, you know, I it probably focused most and excelled most in football. So got used to the physicality there, and and uh, fighting was just a natural transition. I got a question for you. Which one's more brutal? Because I've heard the debate on both sides, football or MMA. Uh, your body hurts worse after a high-level football game. Okay. Like, I don't know what it's like in the NFL, obviously. I would imagine that's that's the worst. But uh, like a college football game, you, you come off the field and you're feeling it for a, a good amount of time, you know? Um Fights are obviously the same way in certain cases, but I think you take more visible and ugly damage in fights, but you probably take more of that deep bruising internal stuff in a football game. That makes sense. Now, dude, have you ever had a fight where your game plan was to wrestle the guy? Yes. Uh, a lot of my fights coming up, actually, I, I use wrestling. And um, actually, that was kind of half the game plan going into my UFC debut to fight Ryan Jimmo didn't end up having enough time to even do it. Right. I ended up, uh, getting knocked out in the first round at the end of the first round. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I've used my ground game quite a bit. Yes, sir. And in this upcoming fight, I mean, you're going to have to use that defensive wrestling. We know the deal with Corey Anderson, super athletic. I mean, tries to point fight a little bit on the feet, but his main goal is to get you down to the ground. So, I mean, any thoughts on the matchup? It's a tough matchup. I mean, he's obviously very, very skilled fighter, very athletic fighter. Uh, he's pretty long for a guy in our weight class. Um, so, yeah, he's he's a very tough matchup, I think, for anybody. And I'm excited to showcase a little bit of my ground game and, and a little bit of my wrestling, whether it be defensive or offensive. I would have to assume the goal here is to get the knockout. That's always the goal. Well, that's what the fans like to hear, Sean. Yeah, that, uh, I, I know that uh, there's some purists, some hardcore followers of the sport out there that have a real appreciation for, you know, Damian Maya type guys who are highly skilled grapplers, but the average fan is still at a level now where they want uh, they want big knockouts. Definitely. I mean, we got to leave the Damian Maya style fights to Damian Maya because, I mean, he's, he's one of a kind, you know what I'm saying? But your style of fighting, I mean... You're going to be around the UFC for a long time, and you're going to collect these bonuses for a reason. 
Well, I hope so. That's certainly the plan. Uh, this is actually the last fight on my UFC contract, so we'll see what happens after that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in there to, to put on the show for the fans, uh, and I might not be the most technically skilled guy in the UFC, but uh, people are on their feet when I'm fighting, and right now that's good enough for me. Dude, at the end of the day, that's really all that matters because think about it, man. Some of these wrestlers, they might be on big win streaks, but I don't hear my friends talking about them, you know, the day after the fight. Whereas with your fights, people are like, did you see that Sean O'Connell fight? You know what I mean? So that that's why you're still in the UFC. That's why the fans love to watch you fight. So I'd say I'd say keep it up, man. Yeah, that's the plan. I am too, this dog is too old to learn new tricks. So to speak. <laughs> So, dude, tell me about your early days. I mean, you said you played football, but uh, you get into some uh, some fisticuffs, some scraps growing up, or what? Yeah, I mean, I grew up with a, a group of friends that was like, they're all really, really nice, right? They're all really sweet guys. And if there was ever going to be a problem, you know how it is when you're a kid, you go to a party at a neighboring high school or something like that. It was always me and, and one other dude that had to take care of everything. So <laughs> that was uh, that was part of my role in the friendship with some of my guys. But, uh, you know, it, it wasn't too bad. Growing up in Salt Lake City, Utah, a suburb called Sandy, it's a pretty friendly, kind place. So most of the, uh, most of the fights that I got in were, were pretty minor. Yeah, man. So you were one of your bigger friends. Most of your friends were a little smaller, looking up to you to, you know, to save them in those situations. Uh, no, actually, I was probably about average size because you know I, I hung out with a pretty athletic crowd. But uh, they're also they're also kind. They were all such nice people that they didn't really want to get involved in a lot of bad stuff. And I was, uh, I guess, I was a little more aggressive than some of them. Well, I mean, it seems like you found the proper outlet for that aggression, man. Yeah, there's no better place to be uh, taking care of those kinds of urges than in the UFC. So, dude, what was it like when you finally got the call up to the UFC? Because, I mean, you developed a 15-4 and record prior to that, so it's not like you were some newbie. I mean, you already had the experience, so once you got there, I mean, you were already a vet. Yeah, it was cool, obviously, because... Uh, I had reached a point where, you know, I, I, I put together kind of a resume and I wasn't sure if it was going to happen or, or if I was ever going to get that call because I had reached in my uh, my developmental career, I guess you would say, the point where guys who had been in the UFC or guys who were in my same boat who wanted to make it to the UFC, it was hard to find fights, right? Because you're looking for that kind of springboard fight and nobody wants nobody wants to fight an unknown guy with a good record who who's tough right you always want to find like an aging UFC star I ended up fighting uh, Marvin Eastman right and those are the springboard fights that you're looking for and I fought him and the UFC was just like eh okay good not that impressive go find somebody else so we were we were at this point I signed with the MFC in Canada I was at this point where it was like, am I going to be able to get good enough fights to launch me into the UFC? And eventually, you know, an injury opened up a, a spot for me, and they gave, they gave me the call. There you go. Now, when you go in there against a guy like Marvin Eastman, I mean, obviously, UFC vet, we all grew up watching him. Was it was it at all like, you know, I, I grew up watching this guy, or was it just like, hey, it's another fight, I need to go kick his ass? Uh, it was more like, hey, it's just another fight because I, I was kind of like at the weigh-ins and stuff. I probably had those, um, you know, fanboy moments, but Marvin made sure that that didn't extend at all because he's uh, he was less than cordial. Yeah, man, and uh, dude. Obviously, every single person that interviews you, I'm sure they all ask you about this, and you brought it up. So thanks for reminding me. Where do you get these amazing uh, weigh-in stare-downs from, man? They're the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Man, I just I try to be entertaining in every aspect of the game, everything that I'm doing. And it's stupid that people at this level think that you can posture and intimidate one another, right? I mean, you're not going to scare anybody. We're all professional fighters. So I just thought it was a better idea to try and have some fun with it. 
Oh yeah, and it's super memorable, and uh, when you touch that one dude's nose, I, I was fucking dying, dude. So yeah, keep, keep it up, man, please. Yeah, there's no plans to change any of that stuff. That's, that's just who I am at this point. Awesome, man. So obviously we all know you're into radio as well. Is this a newer thing or is this something that you've always been into? No, I've uh, I've been doing radio for going on eight years now. So that's my that's my career outside of the UFC, and that's something I'd like to kind of blend together. I would like to, my broadcasting career and my my fighting career to overlap. I want to be one of those guys in the studio on Fox. I would like uh, the Joe Rogan or John Anik role at some point in my time with the UFC and it's a, uh, it's a good way for me to, you know, make sure that my bills are paid regardless of what happens in the fight. Definitely. Now, is that something that you went to school for or is that just something you're naturally talented at? Uh, I didn't go to school for it. It ended up being kind of a byproduct of my athletic career up, up in school and things like that. It was, it, it was an opportunity that was presented because I had that background and because of the fights, actually. So I just kind of fell into it, and it was great and, and uh, it's a fun career. I love it. Awesome, man. Well, I mean, I can't wait to see what you do next with it. And, Sean, it's going down. UFC Albany, you and Corey Anderson. How's it going to go down, man? Uh, well, I think it'll be a very tough fight. I think this is uh, – if. If Corey shows up willing to let it happen, doesn't fight too careful, there's potential for another fight of the night here. Uh, he's he's won a bonus before for fight of the night, if I'm not mistaken. And obviously I've got three in my six fights in the UFC, so hopefully it'll be a little bit of a barn burner. And at the end of the day, uh, Corey will be asleep. Well, that's what the fans want to see, man. I mean, obviously we're rooting for you. You come to fight every single time. Sean, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle, man. Yeah, no problem. Good luck with everything, man. I appreciate that, man. And real quick before you go, let the audience know where they can follow you and anything else. Go ahead. Uh, Instagram at RealOC underscore UFC on Twitter at RealOC Sports. If you're following me on Twitter, you got to know I'm going to be talking a lot about (laughs) – college football and the NFL and things that have nothing to do with MMA. I don't actually talk about fights that much on my Twitter accounts. Uh, and go check out my book. I wrote a book. Go check it out on Amazon. Hey, what's it called? It's called Hellbound Heaven Sent. It's a novel. It's like an action-adventure novel. You'll like it. I promise. There you have it, folks. Dan Kelly, Alexander Volkanovsky, and Sean the Real O.C. O'Connell. Thank you so much for checking out this very special edition of Half the Battle. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at BestFightPicks. Go to BestFightPicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Sean Carey and I will be back later this week to break down UFC 206 and UFC Albany. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.